Welcome to Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Brandon Sharp. And I'm Anthony Mako. And on this episode of Good Show, we are discussing Peaky Blinders. This British crime drama is set in Birmingham, England at the end of World War I and follows the Shelby family. And more specifically, Tommy Shelby, a World War I tunneler and head of the crime gang, the Peaky Blinders. The Peaky Blinders was created by Stephen Knight for BBC Two and aired for the first time in September of 2013. The final season was broadcast this year with a spin-off film announced and the whole series can be found currently on Netflix. So Anthony, before I recommended this show, I could have sworn this is a show that would have been on your radar and that Uh you would have seen. It just seems like something that you would have watched. So my question is, is it something you made a conscious decision not to watch until now? Or did it just really not ever make it on your radar? Yeah, I, I think it didn't quite make it on my radar. I basically agree with you. I think it was. It seems like a show that I would be into. And so I'm not exactly sure why it didn't get on my radar, but I, I knew of it. I just didn't okay. know enough about it to, to try it, I guess. And then maybe early on when I had first started hearing about it, I didn't have access to it. Has it did it always go to Netflix once yes. the BBC? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So- it's been on Netflix for quite a while. Yeah. I do specifically remember at one point, it was one of those things where too much of the meal was there to eat at the same time. So you didn't know if you could bite all <laughs> that off right right that, now. I mean, that that's a problem like, for sure. Oh, there's four seasons out already. Like I'm, I'm already, it's already past me. I can't get into this or whatever. I need, or not, and like the whole time it's like you bring it up as something I should watch. Okay. Yeah, sure. No problem. I'll check it out. But in, until I had a reason, like it, it just was sort of a big bite to, to take. Yeah. I can understand that. I think as we kind of get, you know, get into a little bit like what kind of show this is and stuff, I'd like to talk about you have a self-proclaimed issue with shows or movies set in distinct periods and specifically like turn of the century stuff, correct? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And I need to probably dissect this a little bit more within myself. Definitely turn of the century. I do not like for whatever reason. And it's almost just like an admitted bias against it. You know how normally you would might bring up something and be like, oh, you don't like this sort of thing. And I would be defensive and be like, well, n- not exactly. Like sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. And but when you're like, you don't like turn of the century period pieces, I'm like, yep, no, nope, I don't like that. And you're unapologetic. About yes. It. But I guess what I'm trying to say is not in a way where I'm like, you're dumb for liking this. Right. It's right. I just don't particularly care for them. My reasoning is I'll admit it just because we have a podcast and it's more entertaining if I admit it. But for I think I told you this early on, like for some reason, it's just like, I imagine that everyone smells bad and mm-hmm. never takes showers. Nobody's ever taking yeah. a shower on the show. And if they did, they're like taking a bath and it's like a tub of water that's been sitting there all day and you get in it somehow. So it's, it's like, like taking, lukewarm. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't know exactly what it is, but I just imagine everyone, I don't know why I care so much about that. It just, I, I imagine everyone just kind of being dirty and everything smelling like the industrial revolution outside and everything's gross and just ah. they're tossing their chamber pot out onto sure. main street yes. do you know what a chamber pot is nope a toilet oh. yep oh. yeah it's the toilet okay all right yeah except it, there was no plumbing so they just and they just toss it right out the window sure so, yeah so, so i totally vibe with that but that's a dumb reason i'm i it's not, i don't think it's dumb but i'm, I'm not smelling them so what do i care <laughs> it's a taste thing though yeah, sure. like it's 
I don't feel like there's anything wrong with not caring for certain time periods. I, I don't know. Like I would say that I have similar tastes when it comes to like war movies. There are some eras that I just don't really care for. It seems like everyone's sick, cold, uh, yep, malnourished, yep, 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 yep. bloody. I don't know. So like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So that's, that's actually part of my problem with the turn of the century stuff. Like not exactly turn, but slightly after that, like depression era time, it's yeah. like, there's not going to be any good stuff that comes out of this. And, and so it's not just the, I shouldn't have focused so much on the smell of the show, but more just like <laughs> everybody's hurting real bad. Everybody's, you know, the only people who are making it at all are taking advantage of those around them, different things like yeah. that. I think the example I gave to you was I mentioned, I know that gangs of New York is a good movie. Like I'm like critically acclaimed. It's got DiCaprio and Daniel day Lewis, right? Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Liam Neeson's in it for a little bit. It's, and I've seen it one time it. and just, just don't care to see it again. And I watched it. And I was like, yeah, I know that's a good movie, but it's just the era I don't like. I just, you know. Yeah. I kind of spilled the beans a little bit in my intro when I said this is a crime drama. Does that feel right? Does that vibe with you? I mean, yeah, it's dark. It's cold. As long as when you think crime drama, you're not thinking like law and order. Yeah. So it's not procedural. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. There's, you know, it's not a cop show. It's a period Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like some of the other shows I've named, like Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the whole crime family. Yes. And this is just the early 1900s take on the on the same story. But yeah, I think there's some interesting things there that happen. And I like the whole uh, World War One overflow of uh, of this story. Yeah, I do. have I have a couple questions for you that you may not know the answer to. Okay. Do you know what tunnelers did? So like you, you briefly mentioned it, but, but Tommy and his buddies actually, you know, like his family, his buddies, they were all tunnelers in the war. Yeah. And I actually never quite understood what tunnelers did in world war one. Somehow it assisted ground troops, but they literally dug tunnels basically under the ground troops. Did they then like set charges underneath opposing forces or uh, yeah i just didn't i didn't quite i could have looked this up i suppose but like yeah yeah no i mean i you pretty much got the idea okay. they they dug like attack tunnels yeah, yeah. that uh, and they were like underneath enemy troops some of the after effects of that and you see it a little bit like mm-hmm. you do see like the shakes yeah. and early on there was one of his friends whiz bang and he's really messed up pretty bad yeah. it, it was a pretty terrible assignment. Yeah, lack, I think it lack of po- oxygen on top of being in combat. Yeah, absolutely no daylight. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're probably not getting square meals down there either. Yeah. I think. Um, I think at one point Tommy even says, "You know, I, I can't believe we made it out of that alive." Yeah. And we volunteered. Like the, the this is the job that they were given the volunteers. You know. Yeah. So anyway, it, it was. It seemed to me like his group from Birmingham. Like they all were all tunnelers. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, like I literally, cause I was sort of watching this when I went on vacation and on vacation, I like drove through West Virginia and I was thinking like, we don't even have like coal mining down to a place where it's safe now. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> right. think right. about a hundred years ago, what like tunneling uh, or mining was like how unsafe that was. Cause it's not even safe currently. So yeah, it, it must've been pretty bad. Okay. My second question was this may be a little early. But I just sort of realized, do we ever find out where the name Peaky Blinders came from? Yeah. If it's a spoiler, don't say it. But No. So a Peaky Blinder, the actual thing that it – so that they were named after a a very real, like, urban gang that was was 
around uh, oh, okay. that same era. All right. But they called them Peaky Blinders because they put razors right. in the bills of those hats that they wear. I can't remember the yes, name of right. the hats. Yeah. And they would slash no, they're, people they're across on the, the eye. They're on the back. No, they're on the they're on the front. They're in the bill in oh. the fold. Oh, hidden between. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the fold. You can actually see them at one point, and they would slash at people's eyes right. and blind them. That's why they call them that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty well, and it's honestly you and it's something you kind of have to dig a little bit for. I mean, yeah. I feel like you do see a little bit of that, but it's not ever said, hey, this is what you well, know, they do it all the this. time. Yeah, they do. That's their <laughs> they thing. They grab their hats. Yeah. yeah kind of in a bunch and like slash at people. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, pretty gruesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is a premium drama. Yes. Yep. Yep. It has a, it definitely has a premium feel. It's, I will say this will affect your mood. It is uh, a very, it has the muted. It almost has, you know, Killian Murphy is a mighty Christopher Nolan yeah, player. Yeah. And and a lot of this has that Christopher Nolan yeah. coloring, the muted colors. Um, some, you know, interesting connection there. Cause he has been in a ton of Chris Nolan movies, but something about that coloring, at least in this context, kind of, also mixed in with that malnourished, dirty, uh, mm-hmm. turn of the century feeling. It's just like hopeless. It feels like there is a lack of of hope yeah. in this show. Um, and that carries its way into the story and other areas also. But uh, it definitely has a unique look, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very stylized. Um, it's borderline that dark coloring that I don't love where you can't, yeah. you can't see what's going on. It's kind uh-huh. of annoying to watch just cause it's like Hard that one episode of game of Thrones that was just yes. like, I was furious. Like you couldn't see anything <laughs> for 45 minutes. You know, I get it. Like at, they didn't have six lights in each room as you walked in like that. Right. They had torches on the wall that that's where they got their light. So it is a dimmer thing, but still um, sometimes that bothers me, but it certainly fits the, the theme of the show. For sure. And I mean, honestly, this could play into what you were saying. I mean, there wasn't modern lighting yeah. back then. This this could also affect, you know, other things from that era. Just there wasn't, you know, it wasn't available, so they can't use it. The characters in this show are extremely important. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you learn early on is how important Tommy's family is to him mm-hmm. and how if you're not involved in the crime and the, and the criminal acts, you're not you're not really a part of the inner circle of the family. And I think it's interesting how you see that play out in the show. Everything is laced together. Who are some of the characters that really stand out to you? Yes. I mean, certainly Killian Murphy is the show um, is the show. I mean, he's and he's great. It's not it's not just a default because it's his show. Basically, um, he is really, really good. And not only that, but in some of his Chris, and it's probably just because he played, you know, Scarecrow. But um, there's a yeah. there's a bit of a goofiness, or a I, I don't even know how to describe it, but just like an interesting. He just seems villainous. Um, he seems menacing. Yes. yes, and sort of. I can't think of the way to describe. It, but anyway, um, in those Chris, something about something about his eyes. Yes, yeah, they, yeah. They, I don't know that they seem lifeless, but they seem like they're always they're always really wide. And he has very light colored pupils uh-huh. or is it irises that are colored? Well, we know what you mean, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. His, his eyes are, have a very light uh, tint mm-hmm. to them. So they almost seem, almost seem ghost-like or lifeless. Yes. So he, so he fits really well with Scarecrow. Like yes. He's perfect for that. And then even like, a, like a, in Inception, like it's, it's a dream world. So it's not weird that people look a little weird or whatever. 
Um, and I, I wonder now that I'm talking, like it's, it's almost like I, I couldn't have imagined him holding down his own show. And that might've been something that kept me from Peaky Blinders. Uh-huh. He does it okay. wonderfully. He does it wonderfully. And I even yeah. think early on when I was thinking of him as the leading guy in the show and he would like, just as no spoilers, but as leading guys often do get into romantic relationships for the very first little bit, I found it really hard to buy that he would be like the handsome one or something like that, just because of him being in those mm-hmm. cast uh, in those play in those uh, characters before that were a yes. bit goofy or off the wall. Um, but it did not take me long to really buy into him being like the suave leader of the family, good looking one, but he just does a phenomenal job. Arthur sometimes bothers me. Like he's overacting. Um, like he's like a cartoon character sometimes. Yes. Yeah. 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 He like his he, acting is like, like he goes, it's real- like ultra gruff. Yes. He, he dials it up to 10. Yeah. I really got to give my wife Katie credit on this because I will say, I will echo what you're saying. When I first started watching this show, I would not say Killian Murphy was a draw for me. Yeah. I'm looking down the list of actors here. There isn't anyone who would have been a draw. Mm-mm. So this is kind of her bread and butter, the period British stuff. Yeah. And I think she was watching it and I sat down and watched a few and then I started it on my own. And that's, you know, that's all she wrote on that. But it is interesting how great of a job he does. And it almost seems out of left field, like, whoa, this guy, this guy has some chops. Yeah. He's been in a lot of Christopher Nolan stuff, but he's never been the leading man. I know he's, he's got, um, He's got a Bonhoeffer movie coming out, and he is playing the lead role there. Oh, but, really? That's yeah, awesome. it's going to be good. I'm, I'm excited about, about that. It. Um, but he is he is relatively unknown. I think is the main yeah, the sure. main point here. It was an interesting choice, but he he really really plays this role well. You know what I'd like to say too? As yeah, I really feel like the three brothers leave me underwhelmed as far as the acting goes. So Arthur, the, uh, the other three brothers, he has yes. three brothers. So Finn, John, Arthur, yes. correct? Yes. Finn, John, okay. Arthur. I'm a little underwhelmed by all three of them. Yeah. And that's sort of, I think, because I think everyone else is awesome. I love Ada. I love Polly. Uh, yep. I love Lizzie. I think Lizzie's great. The female characters are really strong, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Esme, the girl who plays Esme. She's awesome. Like I love Esme, yeah. especially... She pops up later. Yeah. And she's really good then. Yeah. Kind of talked about this a little bit, and I was cu- kind of curious who you were familiar with beforehand. I think my point, like with this conversation, maybe we can just skip to the end here is, you know, I really feel like British shows and films kind of pull from the same crop. Like uh-huh. I, when I watch something on the BBC or from the BBC, I feel like all of the actors were either on Harry Potter or Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a few things, maybe like Downton Abbey. I, I can trace, you know, you can play the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon with like these characters and be done in two degrees. Cause they're, they were like all from mm-hmm. a couple of movies, any of those movies with like enormous casts. I feel like you end up seeing them over and over and over. And I think there's a, a pretty distinct difference between British actors moving from television to film the way that they do. And, you know, we're seeing a little bit more of that now in the States, but used to be something that wasn't done as often. And it's, it is very, and it's just interesting to me how British actors get used in a lot. There just seems like they're always working. A lot of character actors, recurring roles, Anya Taylor-Joy from 
Queen's Gambit fame. Hmm. How'd you feel about her? Didn't care for her. I only bring her up because Queen's Gambit was a massive hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it it was recent. She was in this before Queen's Gambit. Uh, Cause she she popped up in season five, which would have been before yeah, I was kept thinking she was from Queen's Gambit and then put in this, but it was probably the other way around. Yeah, I think I took a little while to watch. Uh, to I, I never stayed up on this. It was yeah. definitely a show that took me a while to be like, oh, there's another season out. Yeah, I'll get to it eventually. Um, it's more of that like Ozark stuff. Like it's just mm-hmm. you got to be in the right mood to watch a show like this. And once you start, you really just got to keep going. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah, I don't think you could say Anya Taylor Joy did a bad job though. She was. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just didn't she, like her character. Right. Yeah. She, she definitely did the, did the job though. Yeah. Sam Neill from Jurassic park and yeah. amongst other things, yeah. he was kind of a, I felt like his accent was a little, um, yeah. I'll find out later that he, that is actually his normal speaking yeah, voice maybe, or something, yeah, yeah. but, um, I thought he was a little clunky. I, yeah, I actually also, well, I can't say it, but there was a, there's one scene grossed me out so bad about him that I'm like, all right, I'm done with this dude forever. I also want to shout out, there's sort of, I guess you'd call him reoccurring, but uh, Tom Hardy's in this. We haven't even mentioned him, and he's awesome in it. Goodness gracious. He's so good. And uh, yeah, and so he kind of pops up throughout the series a little bit. Another character you're not like super big fans of, but um, at least, I mean, like, I don't know, his character's just kind of hit. Sometimes you love him. Sometimes you're like, gosh, this guy's a bad dude. But Tom is awesome. Yep. He acts the crap out of this character. Yes. And I mean, I. I don't really. I can't really think of a time when he hasn't really just nailed a role that he's been in. Of course, but yeah. He's so good. It's actually a nice surprise, and he pops up earlier than I remember him. Like I yep. rewatched a little bit, yep. and he pops up kind of early. I didn't remember him being in some of this early stuff, but um, yeah, he's great. Yeah, and he's uh, great. Adrian Brody is basically just in one season, uh, and it's not an early season. Oh yeah, and he did a good job. He was yeah. really good. Um and Aiden Gillen. Uh, oh, Littlefinger. Yeah, yep. he, he plays Abrahama Gold. Yeah, he's great too. So I mean, he's a, I, he's a crazy know, dude. We go down the line, and there's some real good stuff going on. It's in deep. Show. Yeah, it's very deep. And I think one nice thing is you'll see characters that you know, or maybe characters that you like from something else, and they'll pop up later, like the Adrian Brody pop up. And yeah, I feel like they do a good job introducing great characters later down the line how's the story work for you like the overall arc of the show i like Uh, if you zoom out i really like the arc of the show much like a crime show not the particular situations they get into are predictable but the ups and downs are predictable like well you know they're going to get out of this predicament that they've that that's come up here well then that's that's one of your big things how quickly is conflict resolved yes that is, you've, you know, you've stated that many times. Yeah. So that's a good question here. How do you feel like, like, cause there's tons of conflict and it feels like we're always dodging some bullet. So does the conflict feel earned? Does it get fixed too quickly? Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. I feel like in most cases, what I'll say is I think it's uh, the res- resolution of conflict is justified. I think they do enough work to basically explain how that was worked out which I like. So if you're going to have this predictable up and down, which is the nature of story, that's fine. Right. Like there's a, yeah. yeah. But if you justify how that could have possibly worked and you know, one of the things is basically that Tom Shelby's like has thought through everything more than anyone else. Basically. Yes. That's, that's, what, that's his know, that's superpower. His so 
I like that. And they usually, when they explain how he arrived at this and, and worked it out before anyone else or, or in a better way than anyone else, I usually buy that. So I'll take that. But, um, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like creating a conflict that I don't think is necessarily justified or it's just a little overkill. Like they just keep finding themselves in the worst possible situation, which is fine. They're a gang. That makes sense that they would do that. But I was just rewatching. I don't even know what season it was, but my wife was watching. So I was sitting in and goodness gracious. It was like, Oh, this is where like the season ends pretty well. And then Tommy pulls some left, like left-handed thing out of like, it was just out of nowhere. And I'm like, goodness, there is always, we're just always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. It is maybe the most consistent thing about the, about the show. Don't ever get too comfortable. Just yeah. there, there's literally always something around the next corner. Yep. I think the writing holds up. Yep. You mean like dialogue? Yeah. I feel like it's hard for me to gauge British dialogue sometimes. Sure. There's a lot of tough talk, which I'm not always thrilled with. Like, po- like a grandstanding yes, or grandstanding. posturing. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Posturing is a great way to put that. Yeah. Like you would see it like in a fast and furious. Yes. Or, yes, um, yes. 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 Yep. Yep. Just yep. kind of too over the top. Yep. Too much. Too much. Um, I can totally see that. The vibe that the show has, it it doesn't to me ever feel like it's always on the level. Like it doesn't always feel super realistic. Like it mm-hmm. does feel over the top sometimes. Yeah. Like the rock music that's always playing and there's always like sparks and steam flying and it, yes. everything just kind of feels stylized, yeah. That's actually a very important point. So what's it called? I forget what it's called when you put non-music of the time over something that's like rock music over Romeo and Juliet. It's always the same style of music, but it's not uh-huh. the music that would be during that time period. Right. So it's a very interesting tactic. I think it works for the most part, but uh-huh. yeah. It just really plays into like that gruff, kind of just edgy feel of the show. <laughs> So motivation is something that's very important to me. Like when I'm figuring out if I like a character, like a show, what is this? Especially when it relates to like an antihero or a crime drama when you're supposed to be rooting for, you know, the main character, but he's a criminal like a Walter White or something like Mm -hmm. that. Like Tony Soprano, what is their motivation? What what is it that makes me connect with this character, feel for this character, relate to this character? What do you feel like Tommy's motivation is through the whole show? Because this is something I've actually spent some time thinking about, and I don't know that I have a clear answer after all that. I think it shifts a bit. I think there is an element of what is often done in shows like this where power sort of corrupts as you get power. And so I think that, I think that happens to him a little bit, but not as much as some other shows, which I actually really appreciate because I do think that's a, basically a true sentiment that um, as you gain power, you want more power. And I think that happens to Tommy over the course of the show where he can't let his foot off the gas. I suppose I always sort of bought and liked the motivation that was basically like, okay, I went and did this thing, like the, the tunneler thing and serving his country and in, in the military. I went and did this thing for you all. Now I'm going to take what's mine okay. at all costs. And because I did that thing, 
I was the soldier for a while. Whatever I do is justified. And I partially bought that. I felt like that was an authentic thing that he was trying to ask for. I don't think we've really mentioned yet that their family is gypsy. Yes. That's what they say in the show. So I assume it's okay. I think think technically it could be used as a derogatory term, but as it relates to the show, that's what they, that's what they call them in the show. And that's what they call themselves. Yeah. And so I don't intend that bad if I, if I'm saying something bad, but an oppressed class of people within that society at that time. So I think there's the element where probably like bringing his family to notoriety, but at the same time, also fighting for his people who have been crapped on for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So probably some mixture of all those things. What do you, what do you think? I'm on board. I'm hundred percent on board with the power and really trying to carve out his place in um, society would be like a, the first word that comes to mind, but really in like culture, I think it does have a lot to do with his gypsy up- upbringing. Um, I think he's, he's half gypsy, half Irish is what they say in the, in the show. Yeah. And it does feel like he is always been underclass and mm. underserved and looked down upon. He, he wears it as a badge of honor, yes. his upbringing, yes. his culture. Um, it's the it's the side of it because he's he doesn't have a good relationship with his dad, who was Irish. And he really his mom was the one that he loved and uh, her culture and he it tries to raise his kids like that the best you know the best he can. And it's their superpower too, which yes. is which is what's cool. Their their yes, it, oppressed nature is their superpower. Yeah, and there is something about that, and really making a name for those people yeah. and his family. Um, it, it's very important to me. I, I do feel, or very important to him, and I feel like at first glance, when because I'm thinking about like his wife, kind of the way things go down with her and like his family, it doesn't feel like his immediate family is his motivation. I think that was my, I think that was my point. Like a lot of times when I'm watching shows like this, it's all about family. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing mm-hmm. everything like Walter White. I'm, I'm doing everything to, you know, put my family ahead, put, set them up. I just want to earn enough money for this or that. Uh, it, it does feel like though, Tommy is, is more about his people, his culture yeah. and, and maybe not necessarily like his wife and kids. I don't know. It, does that, is there a distinction there to be made or do you feel like it's all the same? I don't know. I actually like the way this show deals with that. And you bring up Breaking Bad is a good example because we watch Breaking Bad and say, well, we know it's not all about your family, Walter. Like uh, we know that's the case. And yeah. in this show, what I think is interesting, I don't think he's doing it for his family. I don't think he ever pretends to be doing it for his family. Sure. His family is on his side, but it's basically like, I think his family has asked him to lead this group and he's willing to do that and thinks he's the best person for it. And they're on his side and they all have each other's backs. But I don't think family is the main motivation, but I don't think they pretend like it is either. I also feel like he is, he keeps his own counsel a lot and he almost is like an island unto himself in many ways. He has two brothers. The, the third brother is very, very young, so yeah. he's not really involved in a lot of this. But does it feel like he's just dragging them along, like like they're bought into his mission? Because sometimes it feels like, feels like he's just like a madman. No one knows quite what Tommy knows. No one knows why he does the things he does. Well, um, he's the brains, but he needs he needs the others. Sure. He needs John and Arthur to handle the bit, the, handle the rough stuff. Um, and Polly to yeah, yeah. Um, 
keep him grounded, I yeah. guess, is the is the best way. Yeah, so they all they're they're all valuable. And he recognizes their value, but he is the he's the brains. So and they all know he's the brains and he knows mm-hmm. he's the brains. So uh that's what I yeah, that's what I mean about the honesty. Like Arthur doesn't seem to be bothered by the fact that he's the tough guy and and Tommy is the brains and Sometimes that means Tommy's going to be in a, a little better hierarchical status than he is. You know, that's, yeah. How does the show make you feel emotionally? Certainly, it's dark. It makes you feel dark. And everything that I was sort of nervous about watching this period piece, it makes you feel that way. So It came to life. Yeah. It came true, yeah. But I really enjoyed the show despite the fact that it's something I wouldn't normally like. So that's nice. I think I mentioned to you, this is one of the hardest shows I've ever tried to binge. Uh-huh. Because you, if the more you watch it, the more you're just like, oh man, I can't handle any more of this. And I think if I weren't been, because you know, I was trying to watch it for this podcast, so I wa- I was trying to watch it pretty fast. So there were certain points where I was just powering through, where I didn't quite feel like moving on to the next thing yet. It was just like I didn't want to be in that mood anymore. Um, so it was hard to binge, and it definitely affects your mood. And certain things are rougher than others, but just the fact that it does impact you emotionally is probably means it's a just a really good show. Yeah, I was trying to think about this a little bit because you actually almost caught up to me and passed me. And I've been watching this show kind of as it's been coming out. Yeah. But for whatever reason, when a new and I mentioned this a little bit, when a new season would come out, I would not like hop right on it. It just has a quality about it that makes it feel a little chore like. And I know we're supposed to be recommending shows on this podcast. Um, and, and that certainly isn't, it's not a ding against the show. Yeah. I don't think I would that's just a say, bad thing. It's just an undertaking. Yes. And I think, you know, yeah. a lot of good shows are yeah. a lot of good shows make you work a little bit. Part of the reason it affects your mood so badly is because I think I can say this without blowing too much stuff, but some horrible things happen to people in the show. Like it's just yeah. the be- it, yes. bad things just keep happening to them. <laughs> so every time you think, oh, cool, everything's all good probably not all good it's gonna be pretty pretty rough and that's part of the reason it affects you so bad because you don't you just lose a lot of stuff you wouldn't normally lose when you're watching a tv show you would normally think they wouldn't toy with you that badly but they toy with you that badly yeah i do think the show deals a lot with like the cost of this type of power Mm -hmm. you know and the toll it's going to take on you and your family Tommy really struggles with the cost of all of this and yeah he pays a, a dear price for um, achieving his goals. Yep. Anything to root for here? I mean, that's that's very important to me also. Yeah. I need something to root for. Yeah, it's important to me too. And I actually think what's funny is everything. Like I still, almost everything about Tommy, I admire. I really think that just generally he's a stand-up guy. Like he follows the rules that are set before everyone even though that means it's, you know, it's an incredibly violent show and there's crazy stuff going on and he always takes care of his family, even though he's not Mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, just all these different things like him and Polly always kind of bounce back and forth and you're not sure how they, how a little bit of a, little bit of a power struggle here. Polly is his aunt in the show. Yeah. But well, so you say power struggle, which I totally understand you saying that, but they both sort of understand the roles that they have agreed to play within this. And she's sort of the matriarch of the family, the, the elder States woman of the family sort of thing, but he's the leader of the family. So that's where the power struggle comes in. She's the only one that would, 
directly disobey like an order from him or something, I guess. She might go against. Yeah. Yeah. I just think they, they normally come back around to like caring for each other. They would, ne- yes, they would yes. never fully betray each other. I think there's a lot of ways to look at him, look at Tommy, the character and dissect him. Um, I, I do feel like there is also like a little bit of, I am a tool or a weapon. And like, here is what, here are the things I want to accomplish and point me in the right direction type thing. And I will, um, I'll accomplish these goals. Yeah. There's, I also love that they say it a lot during the show, but there's the uh, tunnelers, especially say it to each other, basically like you can understand their motivation. He, he always says like, well, we were dead when we were there. So everything we're doing every day after that, it's extra. Yeah. I just feel like the show's very, very honest. And I feel like Tommy's very honest is not the most, like, I don't agree with everything he would possibly think or his, his rules or his ethics or whatever, but he's consistent with them and he's honest. Another thing, like kind of my final, final thing here, you know, how would I differentiate this from other crime dramas or crime family shows? And why would I watch this one over other ones? There's, there's like a cool factor to Mm -hmm. this show. Also, Peaky Blinders are bad dudes for sure, but they're kind of cool, bad dudes, you know, and there's, there is something about that that is electric and fun to watch. Yeah, and I don't usually fall for the like zoot suit stuff, and you know, right? But I think in this case, I sort of do. And their haircuts are—I thought so much about their haircuts. They're sort of dumb, but they're also pretty cool. Yeah, they bug me because yeah. it's like it's some like some of the stuff is like haircuts you would have seen in like the near past around here. Like yeah. there, some of that stuff was coming back, but it's like someone did them with a machete. Yeah, so, you know, and they just kind of like hacked at them a little or bit. Or a bowl cut, but it's like. It's, <laughs> They use a bowl, but then try and do a hip haircut. Yeah, like Tommy bowl. has the crop, yeah, but yeah. then, you know, Arthur's got like the slick back uh-huh. undercut yeah. going on. I don't know. Anyway, I guess the they didn't have the advanced electric clippers back <laughs> That's then. That's right, yeah. <laughs> We've come to that time in the show again when we pitch each other something that we should be watching that we're that we're not currently watching what uh what do i need to be watching yeah so i'm sort of surprised i find myself recommending this to you i've had this interesting relationship with a comedian uh named pete holmes he has a podcast called you made it weird and i have been sort of an on again off again fan of him for many years now never found him all that funny his stand-up i still don't find his stand-up that funny on his podcast i don't necessarily if necessarily find him that funny i like the conversations he gets himself into and sometimes i find him funny and usually i find his guests very funny so this is like i'm thinking about all this stuff all the time like it's uh i and and like i listened to him religiously for a while then i didn't listen to him for several years and then recently i've sort of come back to listening to him um so i do recommend his podcast but um he has a show on HBO go now, um, or what HBO max. Max. Yeah. It's it's, what I'm saying is it was on HBO and it's still on there. Uh, it's Mm -hmm. called crashing and it's sort of, uh, basically his story is he was a standup comedian is he is a standup comedian. Um, but he also was brought up in a very religious house, like a pretty conservative Christian house. Um, and so he got married very, very young, which well, same as me actually right, right around the same age as i was um but then um 
early on his wife cheated on him and he got divorced pretty young. So it kind of sent him spiraling and at the same time as he was trying to be a stand-up. He had already been a stand-up comedian, but he was trying to continue his stand-up career. It's not exactly a documentary, but it's sort of based on this true time in his life and based on that time in his life where his wife and he and his wife just got divorced. Um, and it's a really, really nice show. It's got good ideas. It's got some funny stuff in it. But Oh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. What? Is in it? Is in it. Oh, cool. Is she not in it? Probably. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the cast list right here, and I feel like you would know, right? Wouldn't you know if she was in it? Yeah, probably. But unless, but I saw crashing probably before I got obsessed with Phoebe, Phoebe Waller Bridge. So, oh no, 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 no. Phoebe Waller Bridge has a show called Crashing too. Oh, her first well, show was called Crashing, which I've also seen. This is different. Yes. Okay. So this is right. Pete Holmes Crashing. Gotcha. HBO. Okay. Phoebe Waller Bridge's Crashing show has some funny moments, but it's not generally very good. Um, and hers is probably a BBC show. I'm guessing. Maybe. Uh, sorry. Neither here nor there. Yeah. So anyway, that, yeah, it's crash. I, crashing certainly out of Pete Holmes work is the most worthwhile and everything Pete Holmes does has this undercurrent of exploring really deep themes underneath things. Uh, and it's just funny that I don't find him to be roll on the floor laughing funny, but I really raffle. Yeah. Raffle. Uh, but I do really like the show. I think it's a really good show. Cool. So it's worth checking cool. out. All righty. My recommendation is a classic courtroom drama titled The Practice. Mm. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah, I've definitely heard of I it. Feel, I feel like it was it was all the rage back in like the early 2000s, like the late 90s, early, early 2000s. Uh, stars Dylan McDermott. Uh-huh. And it's it's very big dramatic builds and ebbs and flows in this court it's like very 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 courtroom drama is it like procedural um, oh yeah okay yeah. yeah yeah so some some overarching story you know that kind of carries you through but mainly it's like you know and, and there's like a there's like a team of lawyers that work for uh dylan mcdermott bobby donald's his name and they work for his firm hmm. and you know so there'll be like a myriad of cases going on um really 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 a myriad i think it's just myriad cases well there we go that feels (laughs) feels appropriate (laughs) anyway it is very compelling television it it may not hold up it may be dated now and that's something that i you know that i would actually be worth um interested to revisit and um discover the answer to that question what kind of lawyer is he is he a defense attorney is he a so so yeah they're all defense attorneys it really kind of follows his quest to be like i think what the term is like a blue chip law firm which is Uh means like high dollar high you know big clients and he uh is a just a scrappy lawyer at heart and anyway it's uh Really good stuff. I'm trying to see if there's any names that pop off the list. This is the uh, show that Boston Legal spun off of. Oh, so gotcha. okay. I, I might recommend that another another episode, but definitely characters that you would recognize, and um, probably plenty that you wouldn't. But it's uh, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I sort of remember. I definitely remember this show. I never saw it, but I, I definitely remember it. Cool. Yeah. 
Uh, any quick hits? What are you watching right now? Yeah, uh, I have several quick hits this week. Actually, it's pretty interesting. Um, okay, so I watched. I've watched several things recently. First of all, I think the first thing I want to bring up in quick hits is Welcome to Wrexham, which is. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show. I think we did. I think I said I was excited about you it. But- Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, you and I definitely talked about it yeah. off mic. So Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney bought a uh, uh, football team soccer in Wales. Um, and they essentially, the premise is that this team plays, used, it's the second oldest team in Europe, I think. Um, okay. And so 1800s sometime is that old. At one point was in the Premier League, but um, as we all know from Ted Lasso, you can be relegated or promoted within the English system. There are four leagues in like the main tiers of European in uh, English soccer, um, and Wrexham plays in essentially the fifth league, which is not in the the <laughs> league. So, um, oh, okay, way out of it. They're not like single a baseball they're like is there a path from their league to the premier league okay there could but you can only go up one at a time because i'm thinking like in the usa we have like the pdl and there's no path for like you know like there's some of those they're professional players but they're anyway sorry that's yeah so it's basically it's the equivalent of like a wood bat league or something gotcha Gotcha. If a wood bat league could move up to, but it's also just like how the Columbus Clippers can't become a major league baseball team. Um, okay. You know, so I gotcha. it's, so it's not exactly the same, um, but uh, oh yeah. So the top basically in each system, the top four and the go up, the bottom four go down. I thought, no, I'm sorry. Not at the top levels, but in this particular, oh, in yeah, that I'm, one, yeah, I was going to say, that's I thought it was just the last dude gets dropped off and it anyway. is when you get higher but gotcha yeah gotcha. plus i might be getting out of my depth here but basically i think that four four teams play for a playoff for one or two to go up or down anyway um so their hope with this is that they can get Wrexham back up because all the way well no not as far as just as far as they can. yeah as far as they can because i mean they're pretty open about the fact that this will be a perfect investment. You make a lot more money if you can take them up. So they bought them at the very lowest. And if they can take them up, they'll make a ton of money off of it. Um, So, but still cool. It's yeah, it's a pretty cool show. I like the music a lot in it too. Uh, That's probably enough about that. There's only two episodes. I really like it. Um, I also watched, okay. I watched train wreck, which is the story of Woodstock 99, which is a documentary on, on Netflix. What I would like to say about that is, Oh, what, they tried to do Woodstock again, right? Yeah. They tried to Woodstock 99 was just generally a disaster all okay, around yeah. pretty big, tragic disaster. Um, and so that's fine. And I've seen another documentary about that. This, but this, this documentary seems to be a little popular. It's on the top charts of Netflix. And, um, I actually liked the other documentary I watched about Woodstock 99 a lot better. And I feel like I had some beef with train wreck. It was like, it got generally, it got the theme correct and, and the promoters were pretty corrupt and just out to make money and didn't have enough safety protocols. So a lot of people got hurt a lot, but then train wreck sort of briefly mentioned it for maybe five minutes. But I think one of the biggest problems with Woodstock 99 was the sexual assault that happened there. And train wreck sort of glossed over that, which 
drove me nuts. The other documentary I watched really outlined that a whole lot better. And so I'm pretty disappointed in this one. Um, so I do think you should check out information on Woodstock 99. You just may want to watch the HBO documentary, not the Netflix one. Um, gotcha. So uh, I just don't think train was that good. I also watched, okay. There's a, there's a, I think it's strictly sports, but it's, it's a series called untold. And it's, it tells these stories uh, these sports stories that, um, you have never heard before. Uh, generally speaking, I watched one last year on like, uh, this dude who was running drugs so he could fund his NASCAR team or stuff like that. But there's the new one told is Manti Teo. I don't know if you remember Manti Teo. He went to Notre Dame. Um, he played football for Notre Dame, almost won the Heisman trophy in, in the mid or early two thousands. And hmm. he was a defensive player. And then it, he basically got catfished and there he had, oh. he had a girlfriend who yes. died or whatever. Okay. So now that you remember this, I seriously think that this two part series is a must watch. It's what is this on? It's on Netflix. Okay. I saw the, I saw the art or the yeah. preview video for it. it yeah. It's called, yep. it's called untold. Um, and basically it's a tragedy. What happened to Manti Teo? He seems like the nicest guy in the world. None of this was his fault. And they made it out to seem like they basically just muddied the water so much that you thought, oh, he had to have done something wrong. But basically, it looks like he didn't do anything wrong. And so if nothing else, like anybody who lived through that time and remembers Manti Teo should watch this quick documentary and at least get the full story and understand that he got screwed and poor guy like missed out on millions basically just because someone catfished him and that's it it's nuts that that term man yeah i know it is a funny term but that sounds crazy um and then finally i finished only murders and i think the only thing season two and i think hold on are we gonna do a are we gonna do a follow-up on this or we totally can we totally can if you'd like to we can my general view of season two is that i'm not sure that we need to (laughs) but (laughs) So whatever. It's not as good as the first. No, it's yeah. not as good as the first. So, um, I know that we've said we have. I just don't know. I don't know what we'd say about it, except we kind of. I might kind of crap. Except on it that right there. Yeah, we, we say, we, it's not as good as the first. Then hit the lots, lots of similar things about from the first. Lots of similar style jokes. I definitely laughed. Um, it's funny. It's de- yeah. it's got some good stuff, funny stuff, but they didn't do as good a job on plot. That you know all that stuff. So it's it's. I I don't know that we need a reaction episode because it's just not quite as good unfortunately i'm actually a little more excited about season three than i was potentially about yeah. the en- at the ending of season two yeah anyway all right what are you watching so i watched catching killers on netflix and it takes some of the classic like serial killers in the united states oh. one of them most notably to me at least was the btk killer the blind torture kill uh-huh. um and it is a lot. It's a docu series. It takes a lot of like police who were on the force and FBI. I think it's mostly FBI um, cases, and they were on the force. So like, we get really good interviews, and they have a lot of video. And then some of it is like they'll act out some of it just for like just for narrative sake. But uh, really good, interesting um, <laughs> deep dive into hmm. some of these 
cases that maybe you've heard about, you know, maybe some that you haven't. Um, alrighty. Let's end that. <laughs> Women. <laughs>